says I can do? I can be who it says I can be? I can have what it says I can have. And I don't remember what else Pastor Evan says right here. But today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My ears are open. My heart is receptive. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we give you thanks, Lord God, for your word today. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, that today we will not be the same when we leave this place. Father, I ask you right now that you'd wear me like a glove, Lord, that you would be the substance of everything that is said. And that, Father, you will get all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Uh, I, wanna, I want us to open our Bibles to two scriptures this morning. I got the two scripture thing down. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and Philippians 4. Psalm 34 and Philippians 4. Today we're going to be speaking about praising the unchangeable God. Praising the unchangeable God. Psalm 34 verse 1. And Philippians 4, verse 4. And today as we begin, the purpose of today's message is to inspire you to worship God in spite of your circumstances and to give you a method of putting it in practice. Amen? Amen. Psalm 34, verse 1. Philippians 4, verse 1. If you're at Psalm 34, say amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you a story before we begin. In January of... 1989, I was 19 years old, Pastor Sarah was 15 years old, and I was home on vacation from Bible school, and we were up at Mrs. Moore's house. Now, Mrs. Moore was Pastor Sarah's uh, true group leader, and we were up there, and um, uh, we got a phone call. We got a phone call that our mother was in the hospital in ICU. Because she had overdosed on drugs. And um, I was 19. I'd just gotten saved maybe two and a half years before. She was 15. She had just gotten saved maybe three years before. And we did a very strange thing. We're two teenagers. Our mother is in the hospital. And we did something very strange. We walked into a room that was empty in the house. We closed the door and we started to worship. We sang every song we knew to sing from our church. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in the streets of Jerusalem. You remember those songs, sir? We sang, we praised, we clapped, we lifted our hands, we cried. And these two teenagers who didn't know what else to do, all we could do was worship. We found out later that she had even cut herself because she thought something was crawling up her arm and going into her heart. And so she cut herself to get it out. That's kind of the illusion she was under. That's the stuff that was going on. And what we did was really strange to everyone around us. But it wasn't strange to what David said. In Psalm 34, verse 1. Here's what he says. 
I will bless the Lord when at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth I will bless the Lord when and I think to myself sometimes we we'll read these things and we think what is wrong with this guy at all times doesn't he know what I'm going through right now how can he say at all times and it reminds me of exactly what uh, Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 4. If you flip over there real quick. Philippians 4 verse 4. Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And here's what I think sometimes. You read scriptures like that and you think. These guys must have not gone through anything difficult. These guys must have not had any problem. These guys must have been living a life of ease. And you'd think that until you realize that the book of Philippians wasn't written from a hammock on the beaches of Jamaica. How many of you know it would be easy to write, rejoice in the Lord? What do you hear? Don't worry, rejoice in the Lord. About a thing. You see, it's real easy to do it then. But Paul was writing this passage in the middle of a prison. He was in prison when he was telling everyone, rejoice. David wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. When he was on the run from a murderous king. And he was in a cave where no one could find him. And he sat down and penned the words, I will bless the Lord at all times. You see, these words were not written in times of comfort. They were really written in times of crisis. They were written in times of pressure and problems and issues. What I'm saying is the time in which you recognize that God is your only source is not when everything is nice on the mountaintop. It's usually when you're in the valley. And that's the time you have to say to yourself, I will bless the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. And so here's what's going on. David and Paul understood something that we need to understand. That our worship should be based on the unchanging nature of our God, not on the changing nature of our circumstances. You see, so many times we allow our circumstances to dictate our praise. So many times we allow our circumstances to dictate what comes out of our mouth. And God says, you can't watch your circumstance to determine whether I'm good enough, whether I'm worthy enough, whether I'm loving enough. You've got to use who I am to determine what you say about me. It's that regardless of what my mother was going through, no matter what was going on around me, I had to still believe. And you have to still believe that he is still God. That he is still loving, that he is still good, that he is still the all-knowing creator who has your best interest at heart. I like what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren said, the deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of our pain. It's thanking God during our trials. It's trusting God when we're tempted. It's surrendering when we're suffering. And it's loving him when he seems distant. Here's a take-home statement for you. Regardless of how we feel, or how life seems, or what is happening around us, God never changes. And so our praise should never change. 
I want you to understand that a lot of us, listen, do you know that the word complain in the Hebrew means to remain? That means the things you complain about, you remain in. That's why the power of life and death is in the tongue. Because what you say, you will have. So if you keep talking about what's wrong, you will always get what's wrong. But if you start talking about who he is, then you get who he is. Amen? I want to tell you something about God that you need to understand. God is immutable. Now that's a big word. And that word is like one of these theological words. We don't use that every day like, how do you feel today? Oh, I'm feeling immutable. Like nobody says that, right? But God is immutable. What does that mean? He doesn't change over time. The book of James says it this way. James chapter 1. He says that there is no shadow of turning in God. In other words, God doesn't shift like shadows. He doesn't, he's not one thing today and something else tomorrow. He's the same. He doesn't grow older. Do you know that God doesn't mature? Do you know that God doesn't get wiser or stronger? Or better. God has no aha moments. He is perfect. And being perfect, there's no better for him to get. Do you know that God has no potential? Potential means unused ability. God has no potential. I have a lot of potential. In fact, I knew that ever since I was a little boy. Because they used to send these reports home to my father. And it used to say, gives a lot of trouble, but has potential. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But God has none. God is the same. There are certain things about God that doesn't change. I want to give you uh, three or four of them, depending on my time. Here, number one. God's promises do not change. Oh, this is good. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't speak what he doesn't mean. He doesn't make hasty decisions. He's not schizo. How many of you know that he's the same yesterday, today, and... Exactly. So he's not like Moses. Did I say that? I didn't know. God is not schizo. He doesn't forget. I like what Pastor Eben always says. If he didn't mean it, he shouldn't have... He shouldn't have said it. Right? Numbers 23 verse 19. It's going to be on the screen. It says this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Oh, that's God right there. Oh, man. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Here's what he says. For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. What's he saying? If you're in Christ, every single promise that God has ever made from the beginning of time is yes, as long as you're in Christ. And he's even saying, Amen. That means his promises never change. Even though my mother was in the hospital, I was standing on a promise. There was a promise that somebody told me. I don't know why they told me. I just became a Christian and somebody told me. Acts 16 verse 31. And here's what it says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. They should not have told me that. Because since that day I believed. I said, God, will I believe? And if I believe my whole household will be saved. 
And so when I heard that this was happening with her, the first thing that came to my mind is, God, you said. And I'm going to worship you because you said. And I can't focus on the hospital because they didn't say. They're saying the wrong thing. They're not saying what you said. I've got to focus on what you said. So your worship can't be dictated by what you see. It has to be dictated by what you believe. So what do you believe? Second thing. God's promises don't change. God's personality does not change. Malachi 3.6 says it this way. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Amen. Amen. Exodus uh, 34. I love this. Exodus 34. Um, God is trying to describe his personality to Moses. So he says, Moses, let me, let me explain my personality to you. Here's what he says. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, and transgression, and sin. And he goes on. And here's what happens to Moses. When Moses hears about the personality of God, you know what Moses does? It says, Moses made haste and worshipped him. I wonder when we recognize, when we come into God's presence, and when God reveals a bit of himself to us, what do we do? God says, worship me. Worship me. A lot of times what we do is this. We look at what's happening around us and we determine whether we're going to worship or not because we start to judge God based on what's happening to us. Are you with me? So in other words, we, something goes wrong, we have a little car accident and we think, God, why didn't you warn me not to drive down this street? <laughs> the other day, uh, Joshua was doing his homework and it was messy. And so I said, um, Joshua... You want to do it over. And all the teachers say, Oh, thank you very much. I mean, I thought I'd get, I'd get a little something from some teachers in here. So I was like, you're going to do it over. And he's like, but daddy, I did all the work already. I said, yes, but it's messy. You're not going to give your teacher this work because it's not respectful to them. You understand? And so he got really upset and he's erasing it and he's doing it over and he's going, well, you're so mean. And I'm thinking, you know what? You think I'm mean because of what I am doing now. But if you had judged me based on who you knew me to be, you would know that you're only going through this for your own good. And sometimes we look at our present circumstance and we think, why is God allowing me to do this? Instead of thinking, I know who he is. I know his heart towards me. I know he has every love. In you know what I'm saying? You're, you're looking to him and say, oh God, I know your heart towards me so good. I can bless you in this. Because I know who you are. Hallelujah. God, listen, God's... God's promises never change. His personality doesn't change. Listen, what else doesn't change? God's power doesn't change. Jeremiah 23, 17 says, Oh Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And nothing is too difficult for you. Listen, God is powerful enough to change your situation. That's why you need to praise him in it. 
else could change the situation I was in. Nobody. So why not praise Him? If He's the only one that can do anything about it, then He's the one I need to focus on. You have to believe that the God who doesn't change can change your circumstance. God doesn't change, so your praise shouldn't change. Your worship shouldn't change. Your trust shouldn't change. Your obedience shouldn't change. Your belief shouldn't change. Nothing should change because He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what's happening, He's still on the throne. Come on, say that with me. He's still on the throne. Say it again. He's still on the throne. One more time. He's still on the throne. And that's what you got to do. That's why you got to hold up your head and say, God, I believe you. I believe that all things work together for good. And that no matter what's happening right now, I am trusting you. I'm worshiping you. I'm blessing you because you're the only one who can help me out. His promises don't change. His personality doesn't change. His power doesn't change. Here's the fourth thing. His purposes do not change. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a purpose for your life, and no matter what is happening around you, His purpose remains the same. His purpose hasn't changed, even if your situation has. Sometimes you have to go through some situations in order for you to fulfill your purpose. I'm I'm telling you this. Listen to me. Here's what I'm saying. You know, the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, and they were the short test route to come out was to walk through a land with some Amalekites. And God says, I'm going to take them a long way around in case they become discouraged while walking through that land. In other words, here's the thing. Sometimes it looks like it's taking long. But because God knows the best route for you to fulfill the purpose, doesn't mean the purpose has changed. Just because somebody got there faster than you did, doesn't mean that the purpose has changed. God takes you through some things so that you can be ready for the purpose that He has for you. So don't stop worshipping Him before the purpose comes to pass. His purpose hasn't changed. Your worship must be based on the state of His heart towards you, not the state of your heart. If you know without a doubt that He has your best interest in mind, then that's, all you, that's the only reason you need to worship Him right there. Even when your heart is breaking, even when your heart is, is messed up, even when thoughts are running through your head, you've got to stand back and say, you know what, God, I know you have my best interest at heart. I like what Spurgeon says. This is an awesome quote. It says, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. All right, so how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you bless the Lord at all times? Number one, first thing, you've got to remove. What do I mean by that? I mean, get away from things or people that remind you of the problem and focus on God. Sometimes that just means taking 10 minutes out of the house, in your car, and you're just going to focus on God right there. If you're going through a hard time in your marriage, don't hang around divorced people. 
<laughs> I will say that again. I said, if you're going through a hard time in your marriage, don't hang around divorced people. If you have a hard time in your finances, before you take advice, check the person's credit score. Say, neighbor, what's your credit score? <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. People who don't have solutions, people who don't have solutions will make your problems look normal. Oh, everybody gets divorced. Man, I hear it's better the second time around anyway. Oh, psh, girl, I wouldn't allow... You, I, that's why I walked out of mine. I, you don't deserve... That, let, let me tell you something. Don't follow people who don't have a success record in the area that you are struggling in. That don't make any sense. Number one, remove. You've got to get around, get moved from that. Number two, reflect. Think about how God has delivered you in the past. David was about to fight a giant. And David went to Saul and Saul said, hey, you need this, you need... He said, listen, Saul, you don't understand. God delivered me from a bear. And God delivered me from a lion. Who is this uncircumcised giant that my God can't deliver me from? I mean, the bear on the land, they weren't even blaspheming God. And if he took it out on them, he's going to take it out on this guy. Listen, you've got to rehearse your past and know that the things that God has delivered you from, he's able to deliver you now. Remove, reflect. Here's the third thing. You've got to rehearse. Rehearse. What does God's word say about him and his ability to solve your problem? What does God say? Does God's word say he shall supply all my needs according to religion? Then that's what you've got to rehearse. You've got to rehearse the things that apply. You can't rehearse what you hear on the news. You can't rehearse what your spouse says. You can't rehearse what your friend says. You've got to rehearse what God says. Rehearse. Meditate on it. Last thing. You've got to recite. I mean by recite. I mean you've got to sing or listen to worship songs that focus on God. Because what worship does is exalts God. And the higher God gets, the smaller our problems seem. That's why we worship every Sunday when you come into church. We worship. Why? Because when you walk in, what we want you to do is see God as big and mighty and lifted up. So that you not focus on your problems. Which, listen, if God created the world, He can pay your telephone bill. He can get you out of debt. But so many times those things seem big because we're not worshipping Him. When we worship Him, then the problems get smaller. And sometimes we just need to get alone. It don't even matter. No, but, you know, just alone. And we just need to say, I believe you're my healer. And I believe you are all I need. That's where we need to get to. And I believe you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough for me. So that's where we need to get to. That's where we need to be.
And we're going to close with the rest of the story. My mom was released from the hospital. A few months later, she came to my Bible school graduation, and she was high. And that was embarrassing because, you know, everybody in Bible school is holy. <laughs> and then a few months after that, uh, she was arrested for drug possession. And she was in a, a, just a terrible jail in, in Kingston. And I remember uh, worshiping and praying and asking God about her. And I remember the Lord saying to me, I'm giving her another chance like Jonah. And, and, um, and my pastor agreed to meet with her if she got bail. And she got bail. I don't even know how she got bail, but she made it to my... There you go. And then, and then here's the thing. So, so she made it up there. He spoke to her. And then my, uh, Pastor Sarah was there. And Pastor Sarah led her to the Lord. That's awesome. And the, and the story gets better and then worse and then better. Listen to this. So, and she, she gets off drugs immediately. Never has a taste for it again. Smoked for a little bit and then she threw away the cigarettes. The officer never turned up to the court for her hearings. And so the charges were dropped. Oh my word. Listen. I mean transformed. She was so transformed. She led our church. Watch this. She led our church into the inner city of Kingston. To do outreaches. It changed the face of our church forever. Shifted the vision. From us being this little local church. That was concerned about this small little community. To this church that was concerned about our country. As in university, first year, got a phone call. My father was on the other line, was on the other end. And he said three words, and I knew exactly what happened. He said, it's your mother. It's how the conversation started. And I knew. He then told me that she was murdered in Kingston. The funeral takes place. And at the funeral, my stepmom, who's here today, my stepmom recommits her life to Jesus Christ Amen. at the funeral. Amen. I'm showing you a pattern here. She recommits her life to Jesus. My father later recommits his life to Jesus. She sings full time for Jesus. He starts to produce concerts and music for Jesus. Today, he has the largest Christian event in the Caribbean. Last year, 80,000 people attended to worship God. <laughs> 1,000 people got saved. And what's my point? My point is this. You never know where your worship will take you. Simply because it's not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your pain. Your worship needs to be based on your God. And you don't know what he has planned. So worship him anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Won't you bow your heads? Did you get something out of today's message? Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning.